It's Deep Focus, February 20th, 2023. Our topic is Jeff Beck. My guest is guitarist, sonic architect, Ben Tyree, part three of three. If you enjoy this show, you don't have to pay no money, but I want a little piece of your soul. And I'm going to ask you to provide it in the form of some likes or clicks or tell a friend or give us a thumbs up or five stars or would any way that you want to convey to someone, put it out in the universe that you like this show. And I'll tell you why it just makes all the difference. Right now, this is our little secret. I'd like some other people to find out if they want. If this is something that's going to bring, if it brings you joy, share that. Oh, it's going to feel so good. Okay, here's part three, February 20th, 2023. Ben Tyree on the topic of Jeff Beckett's Deep Focus. I'm Mitch Goldman.
you are in Sydney, Australia, and it's February 1977, middle of summer in Sydney. nice. And you're listening to Jeff Beck with the Jan Hammer Group. That's how this one was billed. The billing seems to shift around at different dates or the way it's been documented, but uh, seems to be a group that was basically assembled and put together to support Jeff Beck touring behind the album Wired, which had recently come out, yeah. and a really top-shelf group, Jan Hammer, who'd worked uh, with one of the producers, co-producers on Wired, was playing the keyboards, and uh, I think it was more or less his group, but became Jeff Beck's backing group when he's on stage. He's playing the guitars, and Steve Kindler is the violinist, actually listed as fiddle here. And, uh, playing the guitars, you mean keyboards? Jeff Beck on oh sorry it says guitar. You're talking about Jan Hammer. Jan Hammer playing keyboards. Right. Uh, Jeff Beck guitars. Are you hearing guitars? Guitars. Yeah, he might. You... I don't know. No. I don't know. Uh, Steve Kindler, wonderful violinist mm-hmm. from the Pacific Northwest, and rhythm section of Tony. Oh, rhythm section with Jan Hammer as well. But Fernando Saunders on the bass. Tony Thundersmith playing the drums, and we heard. Uh, you know what I mean. So Jeff Beck just joining the band at that point on stage. He would start out with the quartet of Jan Hammer. And then, uh, you know what I mean from Blow by Blow, we heard Goodbye Pork Pie Hat, mm-hmm. which was on Wired, the most recent album at the time, uh, and Come Dancing. Yeah. Also from Wired. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Those two albums are kind of a match set you almost never yeah, hear anybody they talk. kind of are you kind of have to have both of them yeah nobody yeah. if you hear somebody talk about one they're probably going to talk about yeah the other one yeah yeah what do we got going on on stage now it sounds like they're in a, a bigger room i think i don't know I well, might it's be wrong. a pavilion that sounds like a you know yeah i didn't look to see if that place is still around Ordern pavilion i'm sure Ordern it's not. pavilion why do you say that because this is like you know <laughs> However many years ago, 40-something-something uh, years ago, almost 50 years ago. I'll have you know. It's still there. <laughs> it's still there in Moore Park, Australia. And uh, it's a building located in Moore Park in Sydney, New South Wales. Grounds of the old Sydney showground. Okay. Building has been architecturally and socially significant Sydney landmark since its construction in 1924. Great. It's now best known as a dance party and rock concert venue, originally constructed for the Royal Agricultural Society. Mm, nice. Very nice. Interesting. Very. I, I always look at this stuff. It's big. Capacity 5,500. So that's a that's a, you know, think about instrumental music playing places that size. Mm-hmm. That's uh, significant. I would say. It's pretty good. Yeah. Tell me, Ben. Yes. Did you ever have any personal encounters? I did. With Jeff Beck? So uh, the last time I worked outside of music, I was a waiter at B.B. King's in Times Square. This was 20 years ago. Um, my boss assigned me to do hospitality for Jeff Beck, who is coming to record a live album. So I think it was two or three nights. There's a live album at Jeff Beck at BB Kings or something like that. And um, so I had to show up, and I, I it ended up I was like his manager's gopher for three days, right? You always got to have that. But I was young, you know. I was in my early twenties, and I was already playing a lot of guitar and um, you know practicing a lot, and you know I I was you know because I had that I was practicing a lot of Jeff Beck and hoping, oh, maybe I'll, I'll get to play for him <laughs> backstage, you know, because I'm going to be... And he's going to want you to be in the of band. Of course. Yeah. And I'm going to be doing his hospitality, and he'll just, he'll, he'll you know... Have you on the album. No, but um, I barely got to interact with him, but I did get to see all the shows, but I ended up, I was just kind of like waiting on his uh, his manager at the time who had me running around Manhattan buying phone cards and, like, tea and just stuff that, that they needed that the club didn't have. Um, 
So actually that was the that was the experience that made me decide I was never ever ever going to be on that side of the business ever again. Wow. But when I met Jeff Beck, he was super sweet. He was he's great. He's a he was a great guy. Um and I I almost got a picture with him and the, the, the manager at the time I don't remember his name but he said no no and he rushed him out and it was the last day what a jerk yeah that I wasn't happy about that other people got pictures with him I didn't get to get a picture with him mm-hmm. um but I did meet him and I got some of his tour pics right oh cool and he didn't even use pics no he didn't actually one of the sound people I think it was that same run um got like a big novelty pick <laughs> and on it it said Jeff Beck does not use pics and that was <laughs> but mine just says Je- it just has his name on it that's funny. um much cooler yeah so and that was with um oh forget who was playing keyboards but it was like a keyboard drum guitar yeah. trio yeah, thing. yeah yeah more recent i think it was terry bozio oh, was yeah. on drums yeah and it was killer it yeah, was un- unreal um so it was a brief meeting you know but better than nothing but you were and it, it wasn't like you were kind of rubbing shoulders with him for a couple of days well there. i think i might have gotten the chance to tell him show my appreciation in some some way and he just he had this look on his face like he would have been down to have a coffee <laughs> like, yeah because yeah. i brought him coffee and he just was hanging out and waiting for the show and you know the the manager at the time it almost seemed like he served as like a buffer between this very precious you know, and I don't say that in a pejorative sense, but this very precious, uh, you know, creative being and the outside world, you know, that well, he, yeah, he had to I mean, keep keep a a sort of environment, uh, an isolated environment. Well, that used to know, be my game. with not a lot of external, you know, yeah. Um, so yeah, I got I did I did see him a bunch before that and after that. So I saw him in 2019. I saw him a few times when he was touring with Santana. So this is yeah. like pre-Grammy Santana. And those were great. Yeah. Those were always really great. But the last time I saw him, honestly, I feel like was the best. Really? Oh yeah, cuz he just was always fresh. He was just always You know, and I think because he never became I think some people become a cliche of themselves absolutely they because they they become known for a certain thing and then they just kind of do that thing and they don't keep uh challenging themselves they don't you know audiences too yeah that's very true but i think he he was always listening and 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 curious yeah. i think it's really comes down to curiosity yeah you know he had just a n- never-ending curiosity so it was always informing his playing, which then always sounded fresh and different. I get the sense, too, that he, and it's funny, actually it pops into my head as I'm saying this, is a comment that Sonny Rollins made to me on an interview here in KCR, mm. that he never stopped finding new things oh, on yeah. the instrument. Yeah, yeah. And I definitely feel that about Jeff Beck. Yeah. Another person that, that 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 has that kind of energy, Roy Haynes. Oh yeah. You know, I remember someone saying a drummer friend of mine was saying, you know, Roy is at, at the time he was in his eighties, but Roy in his eighties is, you know, because he's like ninety eight now or something. Yeah. But Roy in his eighties sounds more modern than guys in their thirties, you know. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know what that is. It's that, it, it's it's a type of thing that is really really rare and there's, special. No, there's a, a real crossover between Jeff Beck and Roy Haynes. I know exactly what you're talking about. And he's also kind of that, like, I made a reference earlier to Jeff Beck being the, like, eternal teenager, which mm. isn't exactly the words I mean. But, you know, you could call it the beginner mind, that, yeah. you know, like, just openness and... And he had style. Yeah. He dressed well, to the times. Roy Haynes, too. Right? Same thing, same yeah. Same thing, yeah. You know, they, they, they didn't just wear the same stuff. You know, I mean, some some people you see, they just kind of, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, he thought about it. Definitely yeah. had a look. Yeah. So, yeah, Jeff Beck is worth taking a deep, deep 
deep dive into for sure. Oh yeah. And you can go a long, long way with it for sure. Yeah. Well, we are in Sydney, Australia and it's, uh, February of 1977 and, um, we're at the Hoarder and Pavilion. This is this tour. If you've been listening from the beginning of the show, you heard a tour that followed the album Blow by Blow. Next year, the album Wired comes out. This is the tour that followed Wire, uh, Wired. And uh, if you missed any of that and you want to hear it again or you want to share it with some friends or anything like that, you can subscribe to the Deep Focus podcast. Before yes. we go back yeah. to the set, mm. didn't you have something didn't you write something about something at some point <laughs> i did i did i did i i spent a day with jeff beck yeah and um actually if you want you could go to my website and read it but i'll tell you i'll tell you what happened exactly um i did write that up and uh put it on facebook and it's posted i have all these little blog posts of from people musicians and others that i've encountered and you know there's I think there are maybe a couple dozen of them up there, and that's one of them. And um, but basically, so yeah, so my one of the gigs I used to do was talent manager for these big multi-artist events, a lot of television shows and that kind of thing. And um, this was a live event we used to do. We did for years at Carnegie Hall. It was a rainforest benefit that Sting and his wife organized, and it was always this kind of cavalcade of stars backstage. James Taylor used to do it every year. And Elton John did it pretty much every year. And sometimes it would be, you know, Jimmy Scott was a featured performer one time. Robbie <coughs> Shankar, who you mentioned, who was an influence oh, yeah. on uh, Jeff Beck, yeah. was a uh, guest star one time. There was always a comedian. One time it was Robin Williams. One time it was Bill Murray. Um, sometimes, I mean, there all kinds of really astonishing surprises. And I will say Sting had uh, absolutely spot-on taste of the artists that he chose and mm -hmm. how that was all curated and uh the year actually that george harrison died mm. was kind of a tribute to him and jeff beck was featured soloist that was probably about oh three right something like that i want to say it was might have been yeah i thought <laughs> it would have been later but you're probably right and um ironically it's kind of a little bit of a strange thing that he was going to do the solo on While My Guitar Gently Weeps, mm -hmm. which, of course, was actually Clapton, played on the White Album, but um, Jeff Beck was going to play it. And it was a fantastic house oh, band. 2003. No, uh, 01. Oh, 01. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, what do I know? Uh, it was a couple of weeks ago. And uh, Nardo Michael Walden was the mm -hmm. band leader, and uh, I think we had Will Lee and Nile Rogers, mm. monster band. And um, so I'm talent manager. And normally, I think we had rehearsals starting at like one. I roll in there hours before anybody else, partly because I want to just make sure things are in place. And um, also, here's the thing. I don't know if you've ever worked at Carnegie Hall. Mm -hmm. but yes. It's a maze yes. backstage. There it's like the Spinal Tap scene where it's like... <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But it's even worse because there's like doors that lock behind you. Mm -hmm. There are like crazy slow elevators. <laughs> I mean, and if you... And I'm the guy... I got a whole team of people leading talent around in dressing rooms, of course, because we're like... We exploded the capacity of Carnegie Hall. So we've taken over every possible available space to use for dressing rooms and we're like really far flung corners of that building and I got to make sure just for my own satisfaction that I can find my way from one place to another before I start bringing people around I literally like walk through in every possible direction so I'm there like I walk in like 9 30 10 in the morning for an 8 p.m show and uh I walk in I go first thing I do I go backstage let me see um you know, check in, see what's doing. It's usually, you know, people are setting up. And Guitar World is right there, stage right. So they've, you know, their guitar techs build out their workbench, and all the guitars are lined up in a rack in the order they're going to be played, and they've got their tuners and their tools and everything. And I walk in first thing in the morning, a couple of the, the 
stage texts are there. And Jeff Beck's standing there with them. Mm. He's got, I think he's got like a 2 p.m. call time. He's there at 10 in the morning. And I walk in and uh, the texts are like, oh, Mitch, uh, perfect timing. You want to bring Jeff Beck up to the dressing room? I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. And I'm looking, but, and I'm like thunderstruck looking at him. And mm-hmm. I don't know why. I guess maybe I was kind of starstruck. Maybe I was just so surprised to see him there, mm-hmm. but he's he he's larger than life somehow. Mm-hmm. Partly because he looks like a caricature of himself. I felt like <laughs> I was looking at like him depicted in like you know like an episode of The Simpsons or something. Like he looks like he's such a perfect rock star looking guy and he's and the other thing that strikes me in this moment he's i think a spinal tap because he is nigel tufnell well they based that character after him i didn't know that (laughs) i'm just looking at him and i feel like i'm looking at nigel tufnell (laughs) and i'm like slack jawed and i'm just like and I don't say anything. I'm just like, uh, yeah, let me bring you up to the dressing room. So I'm just walking in the door. I haven't, like, gone through the house yet. And I'm like, yeah, 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 come with me. And I walk around the corner right into a wall, a cinder block wall backstage at Carnegie Hall. I completely went the wrong way. And Jeff Beck <laughs> follows me. And now we're in this little alcove. The only way out is the way we just walked in. And we're surrounded by these, like, whitewashed walls on three sides. And I turn around, like, trying to not look like an idiot. I'm trying to think of something to say that, like, I, I know I really do know what I'm doing. And I've been here before. And I, I turn around and I look at him and he looks at me and he goes, oh, we are having a spinal tap moment. Right. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> like, did he just pull that out of my head? Yeah, you know? I... <laughs> like, I couldn't believe it. And... um we both just cracked up and it just totally like <laughs> broke all attention. And he was just, you know, kind of, I felt like he was like saying to me in that moment, like, I trust you. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not a big deal. This is, that was kind of funny actually. And um, so I brought him up to the dressing room and we're chatting and there's nobody there. Mm-hmm. There's nobody on that whole floor. And so, you know, he basically ends up going back down to Guitar World. And he's happy as could be. And he basically, you know, I was thinking about it like, God, he's in New York and, you know, Carnegie Hall. He could, like, have the run of the place if he wanted. He's happy just in this dark place at the side of the stage. Yeah. And, uh, oh, his equipment, he was playing that, like, seafoam green Mm -hmm. Strat. Mm -hmm. It was a Jeff Beck signature Strat off the shelf. Mm. That was actually his instrument. I mean, you'd think he'd have, you would think a featured soloist in a concert at Carnegie Hall is going to have his own instrument and some beautiful case and a professional to set it up for him. Showed up by himself and, yep, here, get get this standard issue. Someone went to Sam Ash and got the Jeff just, Beck guitar for Jeff about, Beck. Just about. <laughs> yes. He's wearing. <clears throat> camouflage pants and a black t-shirt and a black mm. vest which he will wear on stage mm-hmm. 10 hours 12 hours from now because he's closing the show mm. he's he hung out with us the whole day ate the catering vegetarian mm-hmm. he was just and and he's just being himself he's one of the guys he's totally happy to be around us and with us and didn't ask for anything special. I mean, I've had people ask me for all kinds of stuff backstage. Um, and, but, 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 when he went out on that stage that night, he, all that stuff melted away. And he was completely in the music in that moment it was uh the whole the whole of that backstage world just seemed to disappear and he just 
Mm-hmm. It was him. It was just mm-hmm. in the present tense. That was a long-winded. <laughs> no, that's good. I think we only have time for scatterbrain. Scatterbrain. Yeah. All right, set it up, man. Set it up. Well, scatterbrain. Tell me about scatterbrain. Uh, it's very fast. <laughs> it's got a lot of notes, and it's in nine eight. Oh lordy. Yeah. You're listening to Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. I've had such a pleasure bringing Jeff Beck's music to the world and hearing him through your ears, Ben Tyree. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. BenTyree.net. Yeah. Instagram, Ben Tyree. At Ben Tyree. Ben Tyree. B-E-N-T-Y-R-E-E. Yeah. I play guitar, too. (laughs) You do indeed. You do indeed. Yeah. uh, Are you available for... uh, Stunt guitar work? Or, I'm uh, available for any kind of work. All right. All right. <laughs> Hit them up. Hit well, them that's guitar-oriented. Yes. All right. Are we ready for this? I'm yeah. Ready for the scatterbrain. Let's do it. Uh, Jeff back with the Jan Hammer Group, Sydney, Australia, 1977. Deep focus on WKCR. <laughs>